their secret mountain lair somewhere in Colorado, this is the Image Doctors Photography Podcast with your hosts, Jason O'Dell and Rick Walker. Hey, everyone. It's time for the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And it is good to be back with you um, here. And uh, we've made it into February, I guess. Um, hope everyone had a, a lovely Groundhog Day, right? <laughs> so <laughs> It's always good. And I did watch the movie Groundhog Day oh, good. It's a few a days good ago. It's, it's an awesome one. movie. I, I saw someone online said they should release Groundhog Day 2, the sequel, and then just release the original movie in the theaters. <laughs> <laughs> that would work <laughs> that would be funny um but uh yeah valentine's is coming up and all kinds of good stuff so um what is going on today we'll be messing around with, with stuff um today we're going to talk about autofocus sort of in a general uh a general um overview of of our approaches to it because they've evolved over the years autofocus systems have evolved over the years and and with the newer cameras that we're using you know from a variety of manufacturers there's a lot of refinements to autofocus and the question is is how have we changed or what has what has stayed the same what has changed what's how's our approach to autofocus um happen and that includes um uh sort of there's three components to autofocus that we'll we'll consider one is the 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 servo mode you know the single action you know single shot mode where or the camera or a continuous mode um of course you could call manual focus is one of those modes but mm -hmm. we won't worry about that too much um then there's the af pattern that you might be choosing you know the focus area you know the single point versus the mm -hmm. you know helper points versus wide area modes or group modes or whatever you want to call them even autom automatic area detection by the camera Mm -hmm. um and then that will also talk a little bit about the the advent in recent years of subject automatic subject detection and how that has influenced things and then we'll also spend a little time just talking about af activation because i think people forget that uh, the way you activate the autofocus whether you use the front the shutter button or the af on button or or both and there's pros and cons of of each of those um um methods so um let's go ahead and you know i think there's also a i mean i think you covered the 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 basic kinds of settings or things to choose from pretty well but there's also an evolution that's happened between simplicity and complexity over time mm -hmm. and it's kind of funny because you've got all these new features and automation that theoretically can simplify your life and they can but one of the things that comes along with them is a lot of complexity at times in terms right. of understanding them setting them up initially figuring out when they work and don't work um it, it can it can hurt your head at times right and until you've sorted that out right and, and you know and this is something that i'm seeing a lot of you know looking online people are getting overwhelmed um on the higher end cameras, even good photography, you know, people who've been, you know, know how to use their camera. I'm not talking about mm -hmm. people, pe you know, you know, there are people who go out and buy the top of the line camera from whoever just, just because, and then they get overwhelmed by it. But I'm talking like the sheer number of customizations when you've got, you know, three different function buttons and AF buttons and 
you know, 17 different patterns and, and how do I set these sub parameters up? It can get maddening. And we don't want to go too far down in the weeds today because that's not the point. The point really is, you know, what, what is, what's the same, what's different, a few pros and cons of, of different methods and whether or not things, things that are on the camera, do you, do you really even need to worry about using certain modes? You might find that you just don't even need to use an entire subset of focus options, depending mm -hmm. on the kind of photography that you do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the, I think one thing that's changed um, over the years, we'll just, let's just start here is with um, patterns. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think that's, that's a pretty straightforward thing. You know, in the beginning, there was a single point. <laughs> right mm -hmm. i mean and that's all you and, got and that's all you had you maybe had maybe you had a few other points that were slightly off axis but that's it and that moved to well now you can move the points in the viewfinder mm -hmm. which could potentially help you focusing off center right because you can just put a point on the you know rule of thirds area right and 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 focus on on that subject but in any case you're just telling the camera look here focus on this this spot and that's what i want you to focus on um and for still photo you know relatively static subjects you know or landscapes or anything like that it's still a great way to work right mm -hmm. it works remarkably well you know it, it you're not you're not confusing the camera with potential different subjects or algorithms. You're just saying, look here and focus what you see on that spot. In the past, there was issues maybe with the size of the focus spot itself, you know, versus what was in the viewfinder. But for the most part, most, most cameras still offer a single point mode. That's, that's really nice. Um, I think where things get, get tricky is when you start photographing moving subjects, right? That's that's where all of this all these other advances start coming in. Mm -hmm. So you would we went from just a, a single point to say, you know what, if you're panning on a running, you know, someone's running across the frame or bird is flying across, or whatever it might be, what happens when the focus point is no longer on your subject? What can you do? And the answer was, you can do things like expand the number of focus points that the camera is evaluating beyond the one that you have activated, which is what Nikon does with their dynamic AF areas. And others have, a, you know, Canon has those assist points, mm -hmm. you know, where it's evaluating things in real time. It, it still starts at that central yeah, it's, one. It's behaves, you've told it otherwise. Right. It behaves as a single point to start. So it's going to acquire the initial focus on whatever that mm -hmm. center point is or whatever that, that spot that you've selected. And then the other thing you can do is you can introduce latency so that if your initial point drops off the subject and the distance changes radically or something blocks your shot, comes between you and your subject, you know, uh, the camera doesn't immediately try to jump onto anything that it seems mm -hmm. that, it, that it sees. And those are all good things, right? Mm-hmm. And then as you go up from that, what we saw um, a little later, I think this was in the, um, and I'm just going to put it out from Nikon historically, you started to see in the D500, the D4, the D8, the D800 or the D810, D850 uh, group focus, where now you're combining autofocus points into a larger mega point. Mm -hmm. and, and that 
um, can be pretty great sometimes when you're when you're really just trying to focus on an object in space, you know, something like a, you know, just out there. And, and you can't necessarily get a single point on it, but but it's underneath your group. Um, a lot of times you'll have to look at your camera, but a lot of times these will incorporate some kind of nearest subject priority. Mm -hmm. So that works quite nicely sometimes too. Yeah. And you can find things like acceleration parameters, um, which are a little bit different than the lock-on thing you were mm -hmm. talking about. Where right. Erratic motion. But it, it's kind of similar. It's, it's a matter of how quickly does it react to certain things and does it filter out some of those right. almost like twitches yeah or glitches that can happen in terms of changes in distance um so there's a lot to think about right and then another thing that was would happen in the past a lot of cameras offered just auto area focus let the camera figure out what your subject is and that's an area uh, that's that's a mode that neither you or i really ever used especially nope. with dslrs now they got better they got they 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 got um, algorithms to look for faces. So like even Nikon DSLRs, for example, had a face detection. You just didn't necessarily know it was happening. It would only work in this auto area mode, where the camera's picking what it thinks is the subject rather than you telling it what the subject right. is. And what I've seen when I've played with those, because you know I would hear or read comments from people saying, "Oh, it works great for me. That's the only one I ever have to use." is I think that can be true if what you're doing are a lot of what I would call snapshotty things. And that doesn't mean they're bad photos, mm -hmm. but you know, things that are like family photos or, you know, some people's definition of landscape photography is stop the car, step out at 1 PM afternoon <laughs> and point it at this huge mountain scene right. where everything's at the same distance. It works fine for something like that. Right. Where those things get complicated is when you have a subject or a set of subjects that are at differing distances and you know you don't want it guessing at what you want to have sharp you want to be able to tell it to focus somewhere that's where those exactly break down exactly and and that's that's the difference fundamental difference between manual focus and autofocus when when you, when all you have is a manual focus camera you let your eye decide when your subject was in focus, no matter where it was in the frame. And then you took the picture and the camera just took the picture because there was no override. Once you introduce autofocus, you have to tell the camera what the subject is in some way. And there's varying degrees of giving up some of that control and letting the camera take over. An auto area is the classic example of that, where the camera evaluates what's in the viewfinder, decides what it thinks the subject is, and and it puts the focus point on that and you can't override that generally <laughs> you know once it's there it's there uh, and and to be clear you know when those modes first started showing up there was no subject recognition right. automation there was nothing right. right that said oh that's a person or that's an animal of a certain type or you know go down the list instead it was doing things based off of distance and brightness and mm -hmm. you know Things like, well, a lot of picture people take photos where the sky's at the top and there's vegetation at the bottom and something else in between. And, you know, they right. kind of weighted things for the something in between in some cases. Yeah. But now a lot of, of smarts beyond that. It reminds me of those early, you know, where they talked about the 
the the uh, evaluative slash matrix metering you know, where mm -hmm. it's like it evaluates eighteen thousand different scenes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not because no. it's not because your camera actually evaluated them. It's because there's an algorithm that was, de, de, you know, Tuned based by on, those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very, very different. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's like that. It's amazing now, how often I find things like that repeated in written materials. It's just funny. Now the the latest thing with mirrorless cameras is to really offer true subject detection on a variety of different subjects, including people, animals, vehicles, right? And and this is actually where it's at, and potentially the coolest new new thing to come out of any of these autofocus um, mm -hmm. uh, advances, um, more or less. I mean, if I was going to generalize, I, um, I think it's a, an awesome technology. Yeah, um, and and with them, there's there's pros and cons, but um, you know, one one really amazing thing is that um, the, these these algorithms, they're, they, they're predictive, you know, they, they do a deep dive. Um, as long as you put an active, when, when you have this, when you have a mode where in your camera, whichever camera it is, when there's a mode where subject detection is enabled and your, and your autofocus will, will use it because it doesn't work in all the modes. Um, as long as you sort of touch the autofocus area on something that is detectable as a subject, the, the autofocus area then no longer is the square or the box or whatever that you're looking at. It becomes a small box that starts centering over a body, a face, or even an eye of your subject. Mm -hmm. And this is something that if you just start messing with, as I have, and you've been messing with it for longer than me, but it's like when you were, we were talking before, the first time you see this happen, it's almost like cognitive dissonance. Because it's like, wait a minute, I put my autofocus point here on the body of this animal. Why is it jumping to the eye? You know, what, what the heck just happened here? It's actually a very cool and good thing. Yeah, the, the example that I was, that I've mentioned to you is, you know, when I first had the um, R5 up at Yellowstone and I was photographing bison and I had my camera set up so it was easy to, you know, either do traditional single point or maybe single point with those um you know assist points and uh, a subject recognition uh mode and so i got it generally focused you know close and then hit the subject recognition and by god it you know it found the bison's head it turned out that you know when i first did it the it was facing a different direction so the eyes weren't visible but it put a nice square right around mm -hmm. its head mm -hmm. as soon as it turned its head and the eyes were in focus bang little boxes around you know the or a little box around the closest eye and then i could recompose the scene scene zoom out hit it you know the focus again bang right on it just so nice and so easy mm -hmm. yeah that is it did take me. a little setup but yeah, and 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 it's gonna be, it's gonna vary a little bit between what kind of camera you have mm -hmm. as to what modes are available where. But generally, the idea is that you, unless you're in full auto everything mode, which which will work with the subject detection, mm -hmm. um, uh, and 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 honestly, for certain things like maybe just people pictures or portraits, maybe that is just fine. And we'll talk about a, a specific case where that might be um, useful. But in general. You know, which, whichever one of the area modes you use, 
um, whether it's some sort of single point or wide area box or rectangle, as long as that rectangle or box touches some part of a recognizable subject that's sort of focused, you know, reasonably, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be sharp, it just has to be more or less, you know, recognizable by your camera, then the camera will then move the autofocus point away from your box and onto the 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 eye. So like what I see in the Nikon will be like a red box. That's my autofocus area that I can move around with, mm -hmm. a, you know, a red square or a rectangle, whatever. But when that red square gets on the body of a of a subject, you know, like a person or whatever, then I see a white square show up on either a box around the face or a white square around the eye. And when I press the button to activate focus, that square will light up and, you know, green, it tells me that it's focused or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, depending on what mode I'm in, like you said, you can, you can just then recompose your shot without even thinking about having to move your focus point. Right. The camera will stay now. It, now it depends kind of on your camera and which mode you're using. Cause there are, there are exceptions to this. But what I found with, with the Nikon stuff, as long as you're, you know, you know, depending on your mode, as long as part of your original box is touching your subject, you can you can recompose okay. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, that's that's pretty wild, um, and and it's a very different way of shooting. <laughs> you know, and it's it like is. It, it's because you normally think it I feels have to... a little bit odd at first. But it, it does. Then um, it then it switches to feeling quite cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very good. Now there are some downsides of it, which is sometimes a complex scene camera can be fooled into thinking an object is a subject that isn't a subject for mm -hmm. example when we were taking pictures of giraffes at the zoo and it wanted to say the nose was the eye the nostril and unfortunately you can't override that easily um to say no no no, i want to focus on the head because it says well you're you're on the subject so i'm giving you the eye even though the mm -hmm. eye is a, is a nostril <laughs> right you know so what do you you know so, so you have to be nimble in those situations um and and generally what that means is is being able to take your camera out of subject detection mode quickly mm -hmm. um unfortunately i have not yet come across a way to do that with an easy toggle button um, what about you well i mean in terms of just turning off the system and staying in your i mean there's a workaround which we will which we both use but yeah but it's a different thing yeah i mean it, it depends on the camera um there are situations where it can be as simple as toggling a button um, most of the time it's usually done via like a my menu thing where you put mm -hmm. that subject right. recognition thing on a my menu that you item that you can get to quickly and turn it on and off but the um what you're That's about slow. to talk about is in reality what I do, which right. has to do with having a, a focus pattern set up that simply does not use subject recognition at all. Exactly. And this like would be a, like a single point type. Exactly. Of, yeah. Mm -hmm. Single point or single point with assist points, whatever it might be, whatever it's mm -hmm. called in your camera. Those don't usually enable subject detection. So their value is less about using them as your primary having a secondary override to kick in so you can just tell the camera no look here focus on this right and and then it can be okay um 
but I think that that tends to be more of an exception rather than than a rule. Like I don't worry too much about that, except I know I've got that in my back pocket. Um, that if I need to do that, it, it works. I don't find myself using the single uh, point dynamic type focusing really right now at all, because um, I don't need to. And and on you, on moving so on animal you know on, on things that are subject detection since on. you got the z9 since i got the z9 with the z7s yeah. and the z6s is a different story because they don't have this option so right. that's it's a right. non it's a no it's a non-starter for them right. that's, that's a different thing but you know again we're talking about the new new thing mm -hmm. um but you know that's that's a cool thing to have and normally the way you switch focus patterns involves a button press followed by a control wheel or you know dial turn right mm -hmm. so i think one of the things that we've both done is set up a custom but button to just specifically change over to a specific af area pattern mode mm -hmm. so if i press you know one of the buttons on the front of my camera or wh whichever button you've configured because it's convenient for you it will just immediately switch you over to this other pattern and and you're good um and, and you get an override yeah and sometimes you can combine that override with um activating autofocus right the equivalent of af on sometimes exactly. you can't depends right. on the camera right and unfortunately that was something that was pretty lacking in the z6 and sevens is that you, they just don't give you that customization that right. that option doesn't exist even though it's a menu item so anyway um i won't gripe too much about that stuff but um one thing we haven't talked about yet and and i think we've both at least thought about it mm -hmm. um or played with it has to do with the idea that we've been using the af on button approach for a long time the back button focus is something back button focus yeah and there is the other alternative of using the shutter release, which is what mm -hmm. we both used prior to starting to use that. And some people never stopped using it. And some people like it really well. There are even some people who have been using back button focus for years and are now switching to, to shutter activation with some of these automated modes. Mm -hmm. And there are pros and cons with it. Yeah. Um, I think the bottom line is both of us are sticking with AF on for the for the foreseeable future yeah yeah and at least for the most part but you know there there are some advantages with the the shutter activation one is if you use the shutter release to do it your thumb can then easily move around the joystick which it can't do if your thumb is also having to trigger the right. F on button that just doesn't work you're gonna have to at the very least you know have a a uh, little bit of time go by between movement and then being able to get the shot off putting it's it a different way quick the biggest advantage of shutter af on is it potentially gives you an ergonomic more ergonomic flexibility because you could use front buttons you could use rear buttons you could use a joystick all while focus is activated by half pressing the the shutter release yeah i mean that's so like if you wanted to configure your af on button to change a pattern and so you have it under your thumb you could do that use pattern one under the shutter pattern two under your thumb pretty cool 
can't do that when you use the AF on system. You'd have to configure a front button for that if you have it. My belief is too that if you look at how many cameras are designed in terms of their button layout, even mm -hmm. getting down to features of things that are enabled or not enabled um, or even possible, I, I think the engineers doing the design have this mindset of you should be using the shutter release. Or they assume uh, you will be. <laughs> or assume yeah. you will be in there yeah. or design things that way. Right. So sometimes using the AF on button, even though it may have advantages, it may take a little bit more research to right. figure out how to configure things. It's just a little bit more awkward sometimes. Now, part of the thing with AF on is that the reason why we've both been, you know, reluctant to change, not that we couldn't change, but um, we've been using it for like 15, 16 years. Mm -hmm. almost 17 i mean i learned about af on and it's some of its advantages way 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 back in 2006 when we first started this podcast we mm -hmm. talked about it then and i told you about it and then we both started using it we found that for those cameras at that time there was a distinct advantage of having af on mm -hmm. and it comes it comes down to locking focus um because with af on as long as you've set the camera to be in some form of release priority, which is typically not how it's set for your shutter AF on, it's usually, or your, your well, no, I'm sorry. This goes down to your, talking about your, your servo modes. Um, if I just step back for just a second, you've got your continuous drive and your single shot drive. Mm -hmm. um, action photographers want to be in continuous drive, continuous servo, AFC, whatever it's called continuous focus motor the problem with that is that when you're if you recompose and don't keep the active af point on your subject if you press the shutter button halfway it refocuses now on the background or whatever's underneath the, the button mm -hmm. so the elegance of using af on meant if you just take your finger off the button focus locks now if you recompose you can just continue to shoot um and this works when you don't have focus uh priority release set you know you can just have yeah release priority one, um, one of the things that attracted me to it after using it for about a day that's how long it took me to adjust to using the f on button or back button focus was that in many respects it mirrored how i worked when i was using manual focus lenses in that i would focus on a scene and if my subjects were at that same distance, I didn't refocus. I didn't bother mm -hmm. with it. I didn't, you know, twist the right. lens ring back and forth and make sure it was still in focus. I just shot more pictures. Right. Because didn't in manual focus, focus, you're always in release priority. Right. It just takes and, the picture. And so the AF on button approach um, kind of mirrored that where unless I really needed the camera to refocus, I wouldn't hit the button. Mm -hmm. I would just hit the shutter release and have right. it take the shot and it wouldn't go through that whole cycle of, you know, acquiring focus and right. checking to make sure it's in focus right. and then release. Well, and, and for, for me, at least, you know, there was an elegance of being able to say, I've got my camera set in continuous servo all the time and I can yeah. use it in any way. So if something starts moving and I want to track it, I just hold the AF on button down. I'm good. It, yeah. it works. For me, it was almost like having, the camera instantly in manual focus mode, the um, mm -hmm. single shot mode or continuous, 
without ever flipping a switch. And I got not, all of them. No not switch. everything. Um, not everything that you and I shoot, or well, cer certainly not you. But I mean, I don't. I don't only shoot birds or sports or anything either. Right. So I shoot landscapes where I just want to have focus locked, and I don't have to think about refocusing it, or or I don't want the focus position to change every time I push the shutter button or when i'm set up to do night photography i know that hey when i press the button even if it's dark out and the camera can't think that it's focused it will still be locked on whatever mm -hmm. i focus. you know that's it, it gives me that simplicity without having to configure a focus lock button or put the camera lens in a man you know ch i don't have to change anything i know that if my finger is off the af on button the camera will take a picture and and you just touched upon something that i think is really really important and, and I know based on what you've been telling me with the Z9, you've been seeing some of this going on where there's certain kinds of subject matter that that camera is really great for that sol and it solves problems, you know, and along the lines of what I was mentioning with the R5, mm -hmm. you know, that eye detection thing can make uh, animal photography just wonderfully simple at times mm -hmm. and, and accurate in terms of focus. But most people do a lot of other kinds of photography. Mm -hmm. And you have to keep that in mind. If, if bird photography is 2% of your images, but you're trying to set up your camera with all of its buttons and everything to align with that 2%, you may be really screwing up how it works for the 98%. Yeah. And You'll that's drive something yourself you have nuts. to keep in mind. No, you, you will drive yourself nuts. I mean... And, and that is part of it. Part of my reluctance to switch to a different mode is not because it's not better or worse, but because I have to undo everything. And then in those other situations where I want to use that, I now untrained myself. <laughs> so yeah, and and one of the long-term shooting bank or one of the long-term solutions, theoretically, has been shooting banks or custom modes or yeah, you know, all of those kind of things. You know, like we've talked about before, I'm not a huge fan of them because. What happens to me is unless I'm using those things frequently, I don't remember what the settings are. Well, and even worse, when you do a significant, you know, settings banks is a good question. It comes up all the time. Mm -hmm. And the, the whole idea of those is to change entire slate of settings so that your camera behaves fundamentally differently. And most people use their camera fundamentally the same, regardless of what subject they're approaching. I mean, I don't need a shooting bank to switch me from manual exposure to aperture priority because there's a button for that, right? Right. A shooting bank would be, I really want to change the way this camera behaves entirely. So I really want to change the layout of the custom buttons. I really need to have different custom functions assigned to those buttons. Guess what? Then you forget what the heck it's doing. And, and just like you said, now I don't remember. So you, you want to have a camera setting that you're mostly familiar with for, for your shooting that you can then tailor um, if, if needed. Now, just real quick, AF continuous single servo, do you use single servo much these days? I use it at times. I mean, that's the mode where you focus and then the camera locks focus. And as, as long as you either hold the shutter halfway or your AF on button is pressed, the focus doesn't change at that point. You can recompose and shoot. Yeah, I think it. what it can come down to is how good is the camera's continuous autofocus with the lens that you're using? And 
I'll just say some are better than others. Mm -hmm. So, and it's not hard to spot it. You know, if you, if you're pressing the shutter release or the AF on button, and you're just seeing a constant pulsing of the autofocus, that means it's changing distance a little bit. And so what are you going to get when you release? It may be in focus or it may be a little bit out. You don't know with those. If you press it and it just it's just solid and stays there, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. And so the times I've used the single autofocus pattern are ones where I knew the camera was a little bit twitchy and continuous, or I just wanted that very clear um, lock on a certain subject that wasn't changing distance. Most of the time I've, I've been okay with continuous. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about um, some stuff that we do around the house to get used to things. And then mm-hmm. we'll, we'll finish with kind of what, what we're gravitating towards right now. Um, this is especially true when you, if you get a newer camera that has something like the subject detection options and these different mm-hmm. patterns, I find that it's really important that you go and practice to figure out what they're doing. I mean, I've been doing nothing but doing that. I've been doing nothing but that since I've got the Nikon Z9. And a lot of people, you know, not not a lot of us live somewhere where you can just go and find birds um, or animals or whatever. But there's other things you can do. One thing we've already talked about was go to the zoo, right? You can mm-hmm. you can practice there. That's a good controlled environment. Not perfect, but it's but it's good for for certain things. Um, but you might be surprised at the the kinds of practice targets you might find around the house. <laughs> so, so some of those would include like for facial detection, you could take pictures of portraits that you've already have either hanging on your wall or even on your computer screen. It could be a TV program, exactly with people on it, and just so- see what happens and see. Where is the subject detection box? Where does it show up? Um, you know, is it the is it the frame of the box itself? Is it the does it extend beyond the box, or how does it behave once it's acquired the the subject? Does it stay on there? You know, where do you want to be? Because that's going to give you some some insight as to like which mode might work best for you in terms of the situation that you're in. Yeah, and if you've got some cooperative friends or family members those that can be a wonderful way to test um, eye detection for people because Mm -hmm. there is a difference using it with a 3d subject versus Mm -hmm. a 2d one like exactly tv screen Um, there's just the camera has a little bit more information and so it can affect the behavior frequently improving it actually but yeah i mean just this morning i was pointing my my z9 at bird and flight pictures that i took in florida a couple of years ago with other cameras just to see where where it was going Mm -hmm. you know will i grab the eye will i grab the body and it's pretty pretty amazing to see see how that works but you know your teddy bear tests y'all all the different kinds of things that work um to to and then when you figure out what works for you that's one of those things where we had talked about as a tip in an earlier episode an earlier show where maybe you restrict the number of modes that you can toggle to with your button press and dial twist Mm -hmm. because you might only need single point and one of the subject detection area options and call it good 
And if you do that, maybe you're able to quickly switch things on the fly. You know, just there's nothing worse than having to scroll through, you know, 18 different patterns to figure out which one you want to be in. Yeah. Um, so that that can work really well. Um, so right now, how do you have your what are you sort of grabbing gravitating towards for your general purpose focus settings or you know my like you know i use more than one system right my right. my general purpose focus setting um is just a single point mm -hmm. usually in continuous it's really that simple and continuous because you're using the back button mm -hmm, focusing method yeah. right yeah that yeah. that works there are some cameras that have just god-awful back button focus configurations buttons that are just tiny or in entirely the wrong spot right. and, and in those cases i've used the shutter to release mm -hmm. i mean to, to activate focus but i try not to because i prefer the other in general right that's that's similar i mean i haven't settled on any one particular thing mm -hmm. but i do like same as you i like using continuous drive continuous servo because of and with back button because again that flexibility of just saying when i'm focusing it's focused <laughs> when i let go of it it's it's locked um one one thing i've started messing with but this is very camera specific now is um the one mode on the z9 which we didn't really discuss is that it has a a mode that's only available in continuous drive called 3d tracking um and it behaves in the viewfinder it looks like single point it's just a small square like you would get you can move it anywhere you want in the frame mm -hmm. but in the absence of a detectable subject you know an animal or a, a person face or whatever that you put it on it just locks on whatever you point at um you know using color and distance and all the mm -hmm. other information and then you can just recompose and shoot with with um with af engaged or or otherwise so i can press the af on button and that locks and then when i recompose as long as i'm holding my thumb on that it it stays that way if i let go of the af on button the focus point jumps back to say the center which mm -hmm. is nice because a lot of times i'm trying to change subjects this way mm -hmm. and would I use that for landscapes? Not probably not. I mean, I was just, mm -hmm. just switched to something different. But but it's it's a really elegant implementation um, of something that sort of had parallels in the Z6 and 7, but never really worked the way I wanted it to. The subject tracking option. This works really well. I mean, my neighbors have a flag in, on their house across the street. And if I point out the window and I put the, Amer they have the American flag, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I put the spot on the blue field, it stays on the blue field. <laughs> if I put it on the red and white stripes, it stays on the red and white stripes. Like it knows right. the difference. And, and it's, it's quite, quite amazing. And if I put it on, on something where there is subject detection, it will just go to the head or the eye or whatever. So mm -hmm. I'm finding it to be a probably a 95% solution for the kinds of photography I do, including mm -hmm. wildlife shooting. And, and really the question then just comes down to whether or not the subject detection is working or not, you know, whether or not it's getting fooled. Yeah. 
So again, having that override where I can switch quickly to just single point mm -hmm. where I know that it's just going to then focus on that area. It, it's, it's fine. Um, but it's cool. I mean, it's, 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 it is a different way and I'm still getting used to it. I think you've had more practice than I have this idea that I can place the focus point on the subject. And as long as I'm activating the shutter half pressing, or I mean, activating the autofocus motors, I can just recompose freely in the frame and, and just turn my brain off from having to think about, I got to move a little joystick around, or I got to lock focus, or I got to do all these things. No, you just put it on there continuous and let it focus away. Mm -hmm. So right. very cool stuff. Um, did we miss anything? I think that's good for now. I mean, I, obviously a lot of this is coming out of, you know, your exploration of the Z9 things in the last few weeks and, yeah, and been bouncing ideas off. about what I've seen with the stuff I use. Mm -hmm. And cause it's, it's not a bad thing to do because all of the systems have neat features and there are things that people have set up for specific cameras that can be adapted to others and work well. Sometimes they can't, but it's been interesting. There, there is a lot of complexity behind it. It has. And one of the things that I've been able to do in the last week and a half, you know, or the last couple of weeks since I came back from, from California, which was I was shooting one way based on preconceptions that I had about the way the autofocus systems behaved in my previous cameras. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've gotten able to do is start to trust the subject detection system now that I'm more familiar with it um, to get myself down to, you know what, if this works 95% of the time, why make complicated configurations for different shooting situations where I'm forcing myself to constantly switch between modes? Right. So, you know, are there times when you need to switch a mode? Yes, but but most of the time, try to keep it simple. Just because your camera has 47 different function buttons doesn't mean that you have to program them each way because chances are in the heat of the moment, you're not going to remember what the heck right. <laughs> those are anyway. Now, I know you're working on a Z9 um, birds in flight autofocus. Bir e birding, yeah, not just or birding. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, birding. Birds in flight becomes a slight exception. It becomes a, a, a specific use case. Yeah. It becomes it becomes a it becomes a subset of traditional wildlife photography. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I am working on that. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's not going to collapse down to a single page that says just no. use the 3D mode. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. No. I mean it's good to have a starting point for anybody for general purpose, wildlife, bird, or otherwise photography. But there's certain cases where where the other the other modes may come in handy, and you just need to be able to recognize them. So it's yeah. not that I wouldn't use those other options. It's just that start with something that works first. And if it doesn't work, or you know, if well, I'll put it in a different way. If I'm sitting around chasing small birds like I was doing um, earlier this week when we had nice weather, mm -hmm. chickadees and things. The 3D mode was fine because it restricted the area where the camera looked to just a small box, okay? Um, I didn't want a bigger area because other, other subjects coming in could fool it, right? And it was just mm -hmm. not, a, not a good thing. Um, on the other hand, when I'm set up and I know I'm shooting 
you know, birds in flight, you know, when I was down in California and San Diego, I might choose a different pattern. I might use one of those wider areas to start because if the subject detection fails, it falls back to its normal wide area with nearest subject, which works for bird photography. So mm -hmm. it's just a different, it's a different right. thing. But, but I, I've been in some discussions where people are talking about, well, I've got custom button this set for that. And then I go to this and set to that. And I set the lens button for this. And it's like, whoa, you know, that's a bit overwhelming. <laughs> so yeah you know and, and not everybody has the same same lens the same buttons you know some lenses don't have function buttons on them i mean that's that's a thing to keep you know it's not an autofocus topic specifically but you know um the lens that you, the gear that you have is going to some sometimes dictate how you customize it yeah well is that enough of a an autofocus ramble i think we're covered for the next 10 years <laughs> you know, at least the next three years until the next wave hey we started talking about this in 2006 so it's not always a bad idea to yeah. revisit it so yeah. it's it's cool the good news is is that autofocus these days is really pretty good yeah. <laughs> it's really and really it will good. get even better in the next few years it exactly will be remarkable so okay well if you got All questions right. for us look for us on facebook facebook.com slash image doctors we do appreciate it um and um until next time happy shooting all right bye-bye